Well, good morning, Calvary Church. Why don't you stand with me? Uh, for those of you who do not know me, I'm Glennis Shryock. I'm married to our worship arts pastor. I've been a member of this church for over 45 years, so I'm about 47 now. And uh, it's my great privilege today to, uh, to be able to share the word with you. And we're going to start by reading a pretty powerful passage that will be uh, probably memorable to most of you if you haven't already become aware of it. It's Romans chapter 12. It's titled Living Sacrifices. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And if you'll indulge me just a moment, if you have a Bible, if the Bible's on your phone, could you lift it up? Let's lift up our Bibles. Father, we truly, we elevate your word today. Not just symbolically, Lord, but truly we want your word to be over all in our lives. And so we humbly ask that the Holy Spirit comes now uh, to anoint the word, to open our hearts, and may we receive, God, uh, the truth that you would have planted in us today, that we could grow deeper, Father, into the believers that you would have us to be. And we will be sure, God, to give you all the glory for what you do. And it is in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. Well, Pastor Mark and our teaching team have become increasingly aware of some troubling statistics and some trends in the current Christian church, and they include young people that have been raised in church uh, leaving their faith as they enter into young adulthood. And then we also see Adults who've been a part of the church for years and years falling away and identifying more and more with secular, a secular worldview. So our staff, all the way from our children's departments, our youth departments, and into the sanctuary, they're committing time and focus on Proverbs 22.6, which simply says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now, we all know it's not enough that we bring our kiddos to church, and we certainly know it's not enough for just for us to come to church. Pastor MC used to like to say, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going through a barn makes you a cow. You know, that's that old saying, because coming here isn't what transforms us. But certainly in the atmosphere here, we have opportunity to hear God's word and participate in his spirit. And last week, Pastor Mark introduced us to the deeper series. He explored feelings and how our own hearts, when unchanged or untransformed by God, remain deceitfully wicked. Those aren't words we often think of when we think of ourselves, is it? That we could have a deceitful heart. And yet as Christians, we must wrestle with our own hearts and let go of pride and let God heal us. Now, today, we are examining our thinking, which is really kind of right up my alley. I'm a professional counselor, which means I spend hours sitting, listening to people talk about their thoughts and their feelings and their actions. And this is the transformation that we hope to see through the deeper series, that we all would think about our thoughts and our feelings in our actions, 
in order to be true followers of Jesus. In therapy, we certainly, we're doing, we're spending that time focusing on that because it's our job to, to look at those things and then find the healthiest path forward. So today, it's my observation that in order to understand why people think and feel and act the way they do, we must first understand what a person believes. And in a room this size, we have hundreds of different beliefs, right? Hundreds of different beliefs. But our beliefs influence everything. They influence everything about us. So I want to look at just a few, like spiritual life. We certainly know that family and culture and temperament and personality our overall physical health and well-being, our mental health, our education, our opportunities, all of these are things that change and influence our beliefs, right? Well, our deeper discussion today focuses on how our thinking processes, our thinking processes, and the spiritual beliefs attached to them may need to be challenged, changed, and transformed. So all we're looking at today is our thinking processes. We're going to start by assess, we're going to assess our thoughts. How many of you have ever seen the show Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines? Oh, come on, I think everybody in this room has seen it. Uh, yeah, and, and if you've ever been to a nail salon, you know it's on all the time, right? Fixer Upper is Chip and Joanna Gaines. They're people that are professionals who go into a home that's pretty much a disaster and they transform it, and we get to watch that all within an hour. But before they do anything, they walk through the property, right? They walk through the house, and they're assessing what the problems are. They're trying to figure out, do we have cosmetic problems like bad carpet? Do we have structural problems like bad bones, right, or termites? Or Sometimes it's a little bit of both, a whole lot of both. But we get to see this transformation from a disaster into a designer's dream. It's, it's really fun to watch. Well, today, we're not doing that kind of a walkthrough, but we're going to walk through an assessment with our thought lives today. So right now, I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit to help you to do an honest appraisal of your thought life. What's going on up there? What's going on up there? Now, for brevity's sake, we have to focus only on unhealthy thought patterns because we don't have time to go through everything. But what I'd like you to consider for a moment is, in your thoughts, is there an excessive pattern of negativity, of criticism, defensiveness or dishonesty and dishonesty, fear, worry, passivity, comparison, this is huge in our culture right now, comparison, perfectionism, divisiveness. These, these are all unhealthy thought patterns that affect our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. Left unchecked, here's the problem. If we leave these things unchecked, these unhealthy patterns can become debilitating, even destructive patterns such as anger, lust, gossip, deceit, hatred, and violence. Envy and jealousy, greed, anxiety, pride, bigotry and racism, and sloth. These are just a few of the things that can just derail a person's life. 
if you want a deeper spiritual life today, you must be serious about ridding yourself of these dangerous, destructive patterns. Well, how are we going to do that? I'd like to suggest that we clean up our thoughts. Clean up our thoughts. And some of you may think I'm being a little bit dramatic to suggest that our very thoughts in our mind can lead to something toxic or destructive, but I'd like to illustrate that a little bit for you. Um, like many of you in this room, I, my family and our entire family, we are in love with the beaches in Florida. We love that turquoise water, uh, the white sand, the blue sky. We love to go there. And so we've driven down through Alabama and Georgia many, many times. Several years ago, I noticed something really kind of odd. Uh, it, it looked like a vine explosion. Now, I, I'm not talking about some nice, like, English ivy vine, like in Wrigley Field or on a brick home. I'm talking about an explosion. This is kudzu. Kudzu is an invasive uh, vine. And when you look at it, you think, why would anybody plant that? Well, it was actually originally introduced to the United States for soil erosion. But it grows at one foot a day. One foot a day. So that's a bit of a problem, isn't it? In certain climates, like down south, it grows like crazy. And as you can see, it takes over. It's invasive. And, and it covers whatever it touches, whether that be a plant or a tree, power lines, even the buildings. It is sometimes called the vine that ate the south. <laughs> and look at that. I mean, that, there's a building in there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, likewise, our toxic and destructive thought patterns can have an invasive power in our minds. So think of that. It's invasive. It's taking over. It's taking over. Consider the words from the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 14 through 15. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to grow trouble and defile many. Wow, to that point, lustful thoughts can easily turn into addiction to pornography, to an extramarital affair, to sexual immorality, Frequent thoughts of envy and comparison and jealousy and gossip leads to this never-ending cycle of self-loathing and of hatred and bitterness. Thoughts of divisiveness can lead to anger, deep-rooted anger and hatred and violence. Arrogance, oh my goodness, a little bit of arrogance goes a long way because it leads to pride, and pride is what makes us no longer fear God right? And it's the fear of God that's the beginning of all wisdom. So, so a little bit of arrogance can become a whole lot of pride, and then we're just off the rails. And harboring resentment, holding on to the hurts that have occurred in our lives, can often lead to unforgiveness, desiring revenge, and a bitterness of our souls. Now, our evil thought patterns have two main sources, our enemy Satan and our own flesh. Let's start with our enemy, Satan. Do not think for one moment, brothers and sisters, that when you became a Christian, that Satan was like, oh, great, hands off that one. They belong to God. No, no. The enemy 
He is looking for us. John 10.10, 10, the, the mission verse of our church, the main verse of our church, says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is a liar, and he is the accuser of the brethren. He is after us. He is after us, and we should not underestimate him. And here's the thing. You, if you are passive, you're in trouble because you must take action. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Look at the order of that. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5, 9, be alert and of sober mind. You cannot be passive about the devil. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So be aware of your enemy. He's, he's wanting to get in your thought life. And secondly, our flesh. Oh, my. Our flesh, our human nature must be seen for what it is. Our flesh is weak. Those of you of a certain age, you understand what I'm talking about because you may think, oh, I can handle all this, but time will prove you wrong. We can't handle it on our own. We know we are saved by the grace of God not by works, but we are sanctified or set apart then by the continual exposure to the Spirit of God through his word, his presence, and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So can you hear how we are both sinners and have to be working at sanctification? We are sinners, sinners saved by grace, but we must be in, engaged in sanctification. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace we are saved. Amen? Amen. I mean, we could, if we were just lost in that bondage forever, we would not have anything to sing about. We would not have anything to shout about. Heaven could not be our home. But because of it, we can live in great freedom. Friends, we also must learn to guard our thoughts. We must learn to guard our thoughts. I am so grateful to live in the United States of America. I don't know about you. I've traveled other places. This is the only place I want to live. One of the reasons why I love that is because we have, we have a wonderful uh, law enforcement agencies in our communities. We have the military. The, the law enforcement in our communities, their job is to protect and serve. And I'm very blessed to live in a pretty safe neighborhood, but a few years ago, we had some burglaries. And so the city police started patrolling our streets a little more regularly. And one night, our neighbor across the street had left a garage door up. And he didn't know he'd left it up, but the garage door was up, and as the police officer was cruising down the street, he saw that, parked his cruiser, got out, walked up the driveway, and was approaching the house. What, what that police officer did not know, and he was a big guy, 
was that the man of the house was looking out the window and saw this guy walking up to his property. He, he immediately went and grabbed a baseball bat, <laughs> right? He's getting a baseball bat because he's going to defend his property, and he goes down to his front door, and imagine his surprise when there's this knock on the door. Can you imagine the adrenaline in that moment? You know, the police officer standing there wanting to tell this guy this, and the guy's got the bat. <laughs> yeah, but the guy did not know his door was open. He would not welcome a burglary in his house, and so, of course, he closed the garage door. But I think it's important to note that the, the police officer was doing his job as well, too. He, he took action. He didn't just write in his report out in his car, yeah, we got a garage door open on Keats Drive. I hope nobody goes in there. Oh, come on, that was funny. <laughs> no, he was not being lazy. He was being active, and he actually went up to the house to let the homeowner know. And this is how crime was averted. Well, now, friends, our thought life, though intangible, right? So we cannot see or touch our thoughts. Our thought life, though intangible, needs to be guarded and protected. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And just to be clear, whenever the Bible talks about our hearts, it means our minds, because our minds are where our thoughts, feelings, and actions come from. And if you are a parent today, this is not only a call for you to guard your heart, but to also guard the heart and protect the heart of your children. No one, no parent would willingly take their child or their teenager to a part of the city where the most depraved minds are, where there's sexual immorality, where there is crime and violence everywhere, and drop their kiddo off and say, hey, I'll see you in a few hours, have fun right? No one would do that. No one in their right mind would do that. And yet, we hand our children devices with unlimited data, with no parental controls, with very little guidance or instruction from us. And what we, what we fail to recognize is we just, we just left the door open and put out a welcome mat for evil. Now, <laughs> I, I know that sounds, again, that may sound dramatic, but in my work, I know this is not, this is not drama. This is real people's lives. Their children are being swept away in the current of what is out there. And, and please don't misunderstand me. Technology is not the problem. Technology is not the problem. Evil is the problem. And evil would be a part of our lives until Jesus comes back. So what we must do is look at accessibility. We must be willing to protect, to block accessibility if we're parents or if we're influencers. We have to step in and do something. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes. So how can we go about guarding our hearts? How do we do this? Well, Scripture encourages us in this. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So how can we do this? Well, one, we welcome the Holy Spirit daily. We welcome the Holy Spirit daily. His job description is to convict us of sin, to glorify Jesus, and to draw believers closer to God. So let your prayer time, I don't care if it's two minutes or 20 minutes, let your prayer time include that invitation to the Holy Spirit to speak. And then listen. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says so you, you can take every thought captive. The Holy Spirit helps us. Praise God. Can we? I just think that's awesome. We don't do this on our own. We do not do this on our own. And then, secondly, we must assert our identity and take action. Today, do you remember that you are a child of the Most High God? You, you are a child of the Most High God. That is your most important identity. You are a child of God. And we must take that action, as we talked about earlier, to resist the devil. We, we have to resist the devil so we don't run to his arms. We run away. We resist him, and we crucify our flesh. No, there are many great passages in the Bible to give us kind of a how-to list, like what to do, what not to do. And I want to encourage you to consider Colossians 3, 5 through 14 as one of the best outlines of what to do, what not to do. I'm going to read the whole thing because I think there's anointing and power in these words. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practice and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. God's image is within us. And here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and Christ is in all. Christ is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, friends, to be clear, no one in this room or in any church is perfect. No one can live a perfect life. But it is in light of God's mercies, which we receive through Christ Jesus, that we can think, feel, and act differently. We offer up our lives daily then, our thoughts, our actions, to God as a living sacrifice. So the last thing we're going to look at is to nurture our thoughts. We need to nurture encourage our thoughts. And to do that this morning, we're going to consider the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, do not be deceived. God 
cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The Greek term used here for sowing is actually habitual or the habit or practice of a believer. So think about that for a moment. It's not one thought that gets it so off track. It's the habitual thoughts, so the thoughts that are constantly there. And the thoughts we dwell on the most, the ones we entertain the most, will certainly affect us depending on whether we are feeding the flesh or the spirit. And you'll notice that as a spirit with a capital S. We must intentionally sow to the Spirit if we want to grow deeper. I love this idea that if we want to grow deeper, there's nothing that's keeping us from that. God wants us to. He compels us to. But we must participate in that. And, you know, we're living in a great time, people. We are living in such a time that there are so many resources available to help people grow spiritually. And I'm grateful for that personally and professionally because I know it certainly helps many of my clients in their their work on themselves. They need these, these resources. We all need these resources. But I'd like to make a recommendation to you today about spiritual nurturing. Let your primary resource for spiritual nurturing be reading and studying the Bible itself. The Bible itself. Three great passages that will encourage you in that are Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active, stronger than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. 2 Timothy 3.16 in the New Living Translation says, Scripture is inspired by God. It is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And then finally, Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Do you sometimes feel like you're stumbling around in the darkness? Do you sometimes not know where you're going? Let the word of God shine on that path for you. How do we do that, Glennis? Well, you got to read it. You got to read it regularly. Don't let Sunday morning and these screens be the only time you're looking at Scripture. You got to get your Bibles out. You need to study it. You need to meditate on it and memorize it. Do you know, you know, Jesus didn't carry a Bible around with him. He had memorized those scriptures, and he spoke those. He spoke those when he was teaching. He spoke those when he was resisting the devil. It was the memorized word of God that he was speaking. In between services, um, Josh Baumberger stopped me uh, to make a comment about this particular part, and it was so good I wanted to share it with you. So this is not on your notes. I'm just saying it in this service. But he was saying that he and his family used the SWORD method, right? The SWORD method. The S stands for Scripture, so we open up our Scripture. W stands for wait. We wait on the Holy Spirit. So this is when we're prayerful and we're waiting on the Holy Spirit. O, we observe. So we reflect. We observe. What is this saying to me? What is it saying about me? And then we request. This is hard to say. We request 
that God help apply this. We request, help me apply this to my life. And then D, we dedicate ourselves. We dedicate ourselves. So that's where our action kicks in, right? That's where our action kicks in. This can help you in your study habits. I thought that was a great tool. I use all different kinds, but I like that one. And number two, please take advantage of secondary resources. You know, secondary resources would be things like music. Uh, we have a powerful uh, worship ministry here at Calvary Church. I know I'm challenged and changed by it all the time. We bring groups in. That music, it speaks to us. It's, it helps us understand God's spirit in our life. We can read devotionals. You can go to blogs, podcasts. There are so many things, books, movies. There's a lot of different ways to increase the spirit's exposure to us. So please, take advantage of those secondary things. But lastly, can I just invite you to run to Jesus? Run to Jesus. If you truly want to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord, if you want your mind to be renewed, then you must increase your intimacy with Jesus. It is his power that changes us. But we must participate. If knowledge and self-control alone could transform us, we wouldn't need a Savior. But we do need a Savior, don't we? We do need a Savior. And so instead of just relying on ourselves or giving up because transformation and the renewal of the mind is hard, it's difficult, listen, we need to surrender to the one who loves us. We need to surrender to the one who died for us and who is even now interceding for us. That's where we go. We run to Jesus. So we must fight, brothers and sisters, to go deeper. We must fight to keep him first in our hearts and mind and to trust him, to trust him to transform us from the inside out. We don't just need new thoughts. We don't just need some new, positive, happy thoughts. We need transformed renewed minds. And now let me close with a humbling uh, but real transformative moment from my own life. My, my husband Dan and I are very blessed to have three daughters, Danielle, Mariah, and Hannah. And um, we did our best to train them up in the way that they should go. I don't think there was a program at this church that my kids were not a part of. If the doors were open, they were here, whether that was daycare, the academy, the kids program, the junior high program, the high school program. Oh, my goodness, they did everything, every camp. We wanted to train them up in the way that they should go. And I would say to you, anyone who's a parent or a grandparent, encourage that. It is a great spiritual resource indeed. But do you know that our lives, our witness, is also a part of their training? Our lives are a part of their training as well. And years ago when our girls were very little, probably like 10, oh, I'm thinking 10, 7, and 4, uh, they were upstairs playing, and I was downstairs doing the dishes, and Dan was off at church at a practice. So this is all going on. And if you're a parent, you understand what I'm saying, because it went from playing to all of a sudden it was a racket, you know, like noise. And, and I did what a lot of parents do, I think. I yelled, hey, <laughs> quit that. Because, you know, yelling is great parenting, right? You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I went back to doing the dishes, and um, 
they went back to playing, and then it was, you know, the roughhousing was going on, and then it changed. All of a sudden, there was this thud, and then screaming and yelling, and now I'm running up those stairs, and I go in the room, and there it is. There's the broken glass lamp on the floor, and I immediately yelled at my firstborn because she is supposed to be the parent when I'm not there, right? That's great parenting. No, no, it is not. I, Danielle, why didn't you guys settle down? And then I commanded her to help me. You get down here and help me pick this up mess right now. Help me. She did. She immediately cut her finger on the glass. <laughs> and do you think she got empathy from me? No, I yelled at her some more. Go in the bathroom. Get yourself cleaned up. Yelling at her. Hannah, she comes to help me pick up the glass. And Mariah, our middle daughter, is just crying her eyes out on the bed because it was her foot that got caught in the lamp that broke it. And Hannah's crying because that was her lamp. So we're picking up the glass, and all of a sudden her tears just stopped. And she says, look, Mommy, a kitty. She picks up this jagged piece of glass. Look, Mommy, a kitty. And, and I said, what? Because, friends, I can look at glass all day long, broken glass all day long. I am never going to see a kitty. I am not creative. I do not see those things. Do you understand what I'm saying? And she's saying, Mommy, let me keep the kitty. And I'm like, well, okay, um, just, yeah, whatever, you know. Well, later that night, I go to my bedroom, and in the van, on my vanity, there's an envelope. And on the inside of that envelope is $11.28 from my daughter Mariah. And she wrote on the front, Mom, to buy Hannah a new lamp. And, and next to this envelope is the kitty. Hannah drew the kitty's sweet face on the glass, and now I can see it. Can you see it? Yeah, she saw that. <sighs> and I began to cry because I could also see that my short fuse, my anger, my ridiculous thoughts of control and perfectionism, if unchecked, it was going to crush my daughter's spirits. It was going to crush them. God, why did you give these girls to us? Why to me? I, I feel so out of control. And in that moment, my bedroom became a sanctuary. The Holy Spirit was there. And through tears and travail, God was comforting me. I confessed my sin because, trust me, I knew my thoughts, feelings, and actions, wrong, wrong, wrong. Three strikes. Three strikes. But God was there. The Holy Spirit was there to gently draw me to the Heavenly Father. 1 John 1.9 says it so beautifully. This is a great scripture to memorize. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all, to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Wow. Friends, we, when we repent, the word repent means to turn around. We change direction. He picks us up and we start over again. And so growing deeper spiritually 
Growing deeper spiritually means many, many moments of conviction, repentance, and restoration. Today may be the day that you choose to go deeper. Maybe you're ready to challenge and change some of your unhealthy thinking patterns. Maybe you're ready to guard your thought life with greater spiritual authority and action. You're ready to nurture your thought life with God's word. Um, we're going to end this service now by standing and having prayer. I would like to invite our prayer teams to come down to the front. In just a few moments, we're going to open these very altars for prayer. I would like everyone, if they would, to uh, bow their heads and close their eyes. It's just so important that if you've never accepted Jesus into your life as the, your Savior, if you've never done that, then today can be the day of your salvation. Listen, everyone in this room, everyone in this room is a sinner, and we do not deserve the grace and the mercy of God, but it's because God loves us. He chose to love us first, and he welcomes us as his very own. So how many, is there anyone here today that would say, if your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, that you'd raise your hand and say, Glennis, please pray for me. I want to start my life as a Christian today. Is there anyone in this room who needs to accept Christ as their Savior? All right, well, let's pray now for just the anointing of the Word as it has come into our hearts today. Let's all pray. Father, we do indeed thank you for your great love and mercy. We do not deserve it, and yet you've showered it upon us, and you, you invite us, Lord, as your followers. We, we know we need our thoughts. We know we need renewed minds, God. That can only happen as we surrender and you apply, God, the Holy Spirit into our lives, bringing your transformation. So today, let the words that have been spoken here today penetrate deeply into the minds of those that are hearing it, Lord. Let lives be transformed, God, for your glory. And we will be sure, Father, to praise you and thank you for all that you have done. And it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Um, in just a moment, Dan is going to lead us in a song. But before that, some of you in this room, you need prayer. You need a brother or sister to agree with you for victory in your life, for work perhaps in your thought life, whatever it might be, a physical need in your body, something in your relationships. Won't you please avail yourself? Take action. Come down and let someone pray for you today. And after the song is finished, the rest of us can be dismissed. But please, come down and let someone pray with you. Thank you.